When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Fighter, 1250 AM. The fan, how are you doing? i here on a Martin Luther King Day on a Monday as we record as normally on Mondays. Ryan Horvath uh, tied up, uh, not able to make the podcast today. Reached out to a couple different people. I wasn't able to secure a co-host. So you have me, me and me alone. Steve Sparky Fiverr. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Lots to get into. Matt LaFleur's job security, veteran wide receivers uh, that may uh, be available come this offseason. We'll get into including uh, what Track projects Alan Lazard to get uh, on the free agent market. May make you uh, sit up your seat uh, a little bit when you hear the number being thrown out there by Track. So we'll get to all of that. But first, let's start off with the, the NFL wildcard uh, weekend and kind of just look at the games and, and think to yourself, okay, as a Packers fan, you know, could the Packers have won that game against that team uh, in that situation? Was this Packers team playing well enough uh, at the end of the day in order to get that deal Done. And if you look at the NFC playoffs, because there's no reason for us to look at the AFC, the Packers aren't in the AFC. But if you look at the NFC, that Giants and Vikings game that saw the Giants win 31 24 and saw Packer fans uh, just love the fact that the Vikings were eliminated uh, and say, oh, they were frauds after all. Oh, they choked and so forth. Can you all explain something to me that I, I don't I don't quite understand here? Why is it the fan base? of a team whose team was not in the playoffs. Why, why, why does that fan base talk trash to the team that won the division and was in the playoffs? And to be clear, it it wasn't just the green Bay Packer fans. It was lions fans. were doing this bears fans. were doing this. The whole NFC North fan base seemingly were all rooting against the Minnesota Vikings and hoping that they lost uh, to the New York giants because a lot of people didn't believe that the Vikings were for real, and they did end up losing. Now, did they end up losing because of Kirk Cousins? No, they ended up losing probably because of their defense. And you see stats coming out to today as far as you know when Vikings defenders uh, played, you know, significantly off the ball. Uh, see the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Vikings were dead last in the NFL, and yet what did they continue to do throughout that game against the New York Giants? Played off the ball with their DBs and. It cost them. And again, that was not an uh, all-pro uh, wide receiving core from the New York Giants. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I think you could argue the Packers wide receivers uh, are better than what the New York Giants were. Uh, and all of this talk about, well, trading for DeAndre Hopkins or uh, trading for Randy Moss back in the day and so forth and having these all-pro wide receivers and keeping Devontae Adams and you can't let him get away. He's one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game and so forth. They all may be true that these guys are all great and do help offenses, but you just saw a team with a quarterback who many thought was probably going to get cut after this year with the New York Giants and Daniel Jones as they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. A running back that has had problems staying healthy throughout his career in Saquon Barkley and a wide receiving core 
that's highlighted by who Darius Slayton, who, who's going to be a free agent. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but the wide receivers aren't anything again to write home about by, by any stretch of the imagination. That offense looked like an unstoppable machine against this Ed Donatel and Mike Pettin led defense for the Minnesota Vikings. And again, as a Packer fan, Right, you kind of giggle to yourself, like we hmm, had Ed Donatel. That was a long time ago, by the way. Some of you probably don't even remember Ed Donatel being in Green Bay. I know Leroy Butler loved him some Ed Donatel uh, back then, and then of course Mike Pettin. We all remember Mike Pettin, and they don't just have those two guys. They've got assistant coaches over there uh, as well. Mike Smith, who was uh, in charge of the outside linebackers for the Packers, he's over there with Mike Pettin. Uh, on the Vikings coaching staff. He was one of the guys that was instrumental in getting Zadarius Smith uh, to come to the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the offseason. So as you look at it, again, as a Packer fan, uh, and you look at that game, could the Packers have beaten the New York Giants? I will say yes. I think the Packers could have beaten the New York Giants. I'll take it a step further. I think the Detroit Lions could have beaten the New York Giants uh, if put in that same situation, meaning you have home field, meaning you win the division. Packers are at Lambeau. Lions are at Ford Field, taking on the New York Giants who have to play on the road. I think both of those teams very well could have beaten the New York Giants. And that's not to take anything away from the New York Giants. Brian, Brian Dabble has done an, uh, an unbelievable job as head coach, right? He was great in Buffalo with Josh Allen and all of that. Then he gets to New York uh, and reinvents and makes a, well, I mean, it's it's a career changer for Daniel Jones because now that dude's probably going to get paid here a significant amount of money, and he wasn't going to prior to this year. So now, all of a sudden, the Giants look like, hey, they're going to be a challenge for the Philadelphia Eagles in the next round. And, and again, I think if you look at the Green Bay Packers, I think the Packers would have had uh, a much better chance of getting home uh, probably against that Giants offensive line than maybe the Vikings did. Uh, I think the Packers offensive line more than likely would have played better than the Vikings offensive line. Vikings offensive line had all kinds of problems uh, in that game. And that, that was a, a big problem as well with Kirk Cousins having people in his face uh, throughout the game. And that's something else that I think as we go forward here with the Green Bay Packers and you look at that offensive line, if Bakhtiari is healthy and Elton Jenkins is healthy, that left side of the offensive line uh, is as good or maybe the best left side of the offensive line in all of the National Football League. The right side of the line, Going to have to wait and see how that all plays out going forward, right? I mean, John Runyon, obviously, uh, at right guard. Right tackle is a question mark. Maybe it's Ash Nyman. Maybe they bring him back. Maybe they draft a right tackle, and that's who ends up playing right tackle. I think Josh Myers ends up being uh, the center. He was inconsistent throughout the year. I wouldn't say, you know, he had a Pro Bowl-type season, so he's got work to do uh, to get better. And we'll see how that goes. But I don't worry as much about the offensive line uh, as maybe I do other positions. I think that Packers team would be okay. So. I think the Packers and the Lions both could have beat the New York Giants given the same situation uh, as the Minnesota Vikings uh, in that one. The other NFC game, Seattle and San Francisco. Now, that game was much closer than I thought it was going to be. Early on in that game, I thought it was going to be over quick. Like, this is going to be the Niners by like 100 points. Geno Smith and crew kept that thing close for a little while. But then when the Niners decided to step their foot on the gas pedal and pull away, that's exactly what they did. Then they became the dominant Niners. And we can talk all we want about uh, Christian McCaffrey and the job he's done for the San Francisco 49ers uh, since pulling off that trade with the Carolina Panthers. And you can talk about how good the Carolina Panthers were after the Christian McCaffrey trade. 
because they were really good after the Christian McCaffrey trade, better than they were before the McCaffrey trade. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But the guy that is being talked about even more than McCaffrey and all this is Brock Purdy. And to me, this is kind of like wide receivers where, oh, you got to have a first round quarterback. Oh, you got to have an all pro wide receiver. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can have that guy who just for whatever the reason clicks within the offense that he's in or whatever the case may be, it fits him and he can go get the job done. Now in that game, Purdy threw what? Three touchdowns, ran another one in. If you watch the game, you realize he didn't look all that good. He didn't. He was missing throws. He didn't look very good to me at all. But, but playmakers surrounding him. Because you have playmakers surrounding him, they can make plays for him make big plays for him uh, and make those numbers look a lot better than they probably actually would have been had he had a kind of normal cast of characters around him. But you could look at the Green Bay Packers and say, hey, without Christian Watson, that offense, mm, not so good. With Christian Watson, offense, pretty good. So that from that standpoint, you know, that doesn't really change. Debo Samuel, good. Christian McCaffrey, good. Brock Purdy, average, maybe. But with surrounding cast, can look a lot better. How about this one? And I, I didn't realize this until I saw it on social media. Did you realize that the quarterback coach in San Francisco, I had forgotten, is the guy that was been in a TV booth for a long time since his playing career and was very good uh, in the TV booth uh, for the most part, even though, you know, Sunday night football, the, the cast of characters with him became rather boring and stagnant. And that's how the Manning cast became so great. But Brian Greasy, the former Michigan quarterback, Denver Bronco quarterback, uh, is a quarterback coach in San Francisco. He's the one uh, that has been getting Brock Purdy ready throughout the year to be in this situation, or Trey Lance, or whoever they decided to throw there uh, in, that, uh, in that quarterback. Brian Greasy's been the one getting that job done. Yet, I don't hear any talk of Brian Greasy uh, leaving San Francisco to get, uh, you know, interviewed for an offensive coordinator position. I certainly haven't heard anything about Brian Greasy's name uh, being mentioned with any head coaching uh, avails uh, at this point. I think Greasy deserves a lot of credit here. This is a, a seventh round pick uh, that he's got playing at a, at a pretty decent level here with this offense. Uh, and they're on a nice long winning streak with this kid at quarterback. And the other part of this, you don't hear a lot of mention with Brian Greasy is you don't hear a lot of Brian Greasy with Michigan mentions. You really don't. I mean, all this talk about, well, James Harbaugh may come to the NFL, and I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but you see all of these articles on the internet as far as who's going to replace Jim Harbaugh, and you see, oh, here are the top five guys. Oh, here are the top ten guys. Nothing about Brian Greasy. Not a single mention of Brian Greasy. And if Michigan is about, you know, keeping it in-house, keeping within the family like they've done so often outside of Rich Rodriguez, uh, if that's what it's about still, hey, maybe Brian Greasy's not a bad get. Now, I don't know if Brian Greasy wants to, to coach in college football and do the recruiting thing and dealing with 
you know, boosters and parents and all that nonsense. He may not have any interest in doing college football. I have no idea. But but that would be a name that would make a lot of good sense uh, if Harbaugh were to come back to the NFL uh, and leave Michigan going forward. So Brian Greasy definitely uh, deserves, a lo- deserves a lot of credit. Like I said, I didn't realize until I saw it on Twitter. Somebody brought up the fact that uh, Greasy should be getting more attention, and he obviously should be uh, getting more attention. So my point in all of this is that Giants-Vikings game, I think the Packers could have won that game for certain. And then you look at that San Francisco game. Now, that would have been the game they would have ended up with. They would have ended up playing San Francisco. The question really becomes, could the Packers have gotten a couple turnovers off of Purdy on bad throws if he were making similar bad throws against the Green Bay Packers? Could he have gotten, uh, you know, could he have thrown a couple of picks here to change the field? I don't know if this Packers defense um would have had much better of a chance of slowing down the Niner offense um, as Carolina did. Maybe they could have held in there for a little while, uh, but the one knock for most of the year, uh, and Matt LaFleur brought it up at the end of the year, or was it Brian Gutekunst? One of them, I think it was Gutekunst maybe at the end of last week, brought up the fact that, hey man, in the beginning of the year, we were good in first halves, but we didn't make any adjustments in second halves, and that's how we would lose football games. And the last four or five weeks, overall, they played really well. Right, they they change their scheme a little bit, going to that cover two, cover six, so forth. Now you could point out, okay, they didn't have great quarterbacks; they were facing fine, but they still made adjustments, and that's probably what saved Joe Barry's job. Would they have been able to make adjustments as Kyle Shanahan was making adjustments on offense on his side of the ball? Would Joe Barry been able to match that uh, in a yet another playoff game between the Packers and Niners? I don't know how much faith I have in Joe Barry to have gotten that done necessarily. Uh, would it have been a more competitive game maybe than the Packers or than the uh, the Niners and the Seahawks? I don't know. I think I said they were playing Carolina earlier, but they're obviously playing Seattle. But I don't know if it would have been any more competitive, uh, but I would have liked to watch it. But they definitely would have been able to beat uh, the New York Giants in that same scenario had they had home field, at least in my opinion. And now you get to the next round of the playoffs. Now Philadelphia gets involved. You know, at, at the end of the day, would they have been able to make that run? And I had been calling it a magic carpet ride throughout that. Hey man, this is their year. This, this is going to be their year. They're going to figure out a way to get it done. Uh, and this offense just, I, I don't know, just lost its way, whatever you want to call it there uh, in the last game and kind of fell off uh, any type of magic carpet ride uh, that they were going to have. And that offense is obviously led by Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, which leads to question number two, what type of job security? Should the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, have uh, at this point? So many of you have wanted to get rid of Matt LaFleur for one bad-to-average season this year after having three seasons of 13 wins. So many of you want to get rid of Matt LaFleur because of his decision to keep Joe Barry. All I will say is Matt LaFleur as I've mentioned before, was hired for the next quarterback. I believe that with all my heart. They hired him to be the head coach of the offense with a quarterback, not named Aaron Rodgers, to maintain that level of competitiveness uh, and trying to get themselves in that position of still winning divisions, still going to the playoffs, uh, you know, and then hopefully at some point getting themselves back to the Super Bowl based on the talent level around him. I think a lot of what was going on in the draft the last several years had to do with getting this team ready for Jordan Love. 
drafting all these defensive players, knowing, look, this offense probably isn't going to score 30 to 40 points a game with Jordan Love as quarterback like he did with Aaron Rodgers. Then you lose Devontae Adams and you have Aaron Rodgers back. Now you see what it looks like. And some people say, well, if that was Jordan Love, it would have been the same result. I don't know if I agree with that. You just don't know. You, you've not seen Jordan Love in back-to-back starts. Nonetheless, in 17 starts in an entire NFL season. How he himself makes these adjustments mentally and otherwise throughout the season. We have no idea what that looks like. There are some that are lobbying to trade Aaron Rodgers, force Aaron Rodgers out, and give Jordan Love the ball, and let's see what we got. If that happens, then Matt LaFleur will be on the clock immediately. At that point, his job security will be on the line at that point in the first and second year of Jordan Love. Then you'll know what the future holds for Matt LaFleur within this Packers organization. If Jordan Love comes in his first year and wins you know, 11, 12 games, then they're going to give Matt LaFleur an extension and he's going to be here for a long time. If Jordan Love comes in his first season and wins six games, I think Matt LaFleur gets one more year. And then if at that point, they're not over 500 competing for a playoff spot, then I think Matt LaFleur is gone. If Aaron Rodgers is back for another year, that just extends Matt LaFleur's career in Green Bay out another additional year. I think, in all fairness to Matt LaFleur, if you're Brian Goodenkunst and Russ Ball and Mark Murphy, the fairest thing to do with Matt LaFleur is to give him two years with Jordan Love as a starting quarterback. Then after those two years, reassess how good of a job you think he's done with the offense, how much better has Jordan Love gotten as a quarterback under Matt LaFleur year to year, and then figure out whether or not he's the answer. I don't believe you hired Matt LaFleur to be the coach for Aaron Rodgers for five years. I don't think that was the plan by any stretch of the imagination. Then Aaron Rodgers plays like an MVP, wins a couple MVPs, and now you are in the situation you're in and your entire plan uh, kind of went up in smoke as we've been talking about nonstop here on Curtin Long. But for me, I believe he gets two years with Jordan Love. Whenever that clock starts, that's what he's going to get is two years. So if Aaron Rodgers leaves now, he's on the clock starting this year for two years. If Aaron Rodgers plays one more year, then he gets two years with Jordan Love after that or whoever the next starting quarterback is going to be to see what his offense looks like with the quarterback running his offense, doing it the way that he wants to do it versus a shared type deal between Rodgers and Jordan Love, where part of this, not Joe Rodgers and Jordan Love, Rodgers, I should say, and Matt LaFleur. Where part of this is kind of Rodgers-inspired uh, offense, and then part of this is Matt LaFleur's-inspired offense, where literally Rodgers comes to the sideline and Matt LaFleur is asking Aaron Rodgers what he wants to do. Do you want to punt? Do you want to go for it? What play do you want to run? You want to run that play? Okay, run that play. That type of stuff, we'll see, highly doubt it's going to happen with Jordan Love. Jordan Love will have to earn uh, that point uh, with Matt LaFleur before he gets to that point. Similar to when Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre under Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson. It was McCarthy's way or the highway when that whole relationship started. Then over the course of time, as they got along, McCarthy loosened the reins a little bit and Brett got to be in Brett a little bit. But for the most part, it was McCarthy's way. And here, with this deal here, with what's going to be Jordan Love, it's going to be LaFleur's way from the get 
And then Brian Gutekunst is going to have to make his deal as far as what he wants to do. And don't kid yourself. Brian Gutekunst, if this doesn't work with Jordan Love, is not going out with Matt LaFleur. No chance. Uh-uh. Not happening. Because remember, they are viewed differently. Both report to the same guy. LaFleur does not report to Brian Gutekunst. LaFleur reports to Murphy. Goody reports to Murphy. Russ Bulb reports to Goody, or to Mark Murphy, I should say. So, Mark Murphy, if he decides Matt LaFleur is not the guy for Jordan Love and they're going to move on, fine. Mark Murphy's the one that hired Matt LaFleur. Brian Gutekunst was in the room, maybe asked a couple questions, but this was Mark Murphy's hire, not Brian Gutekunst's hire. Now, maybe the next hire after LaFleur, if this doesn't work, he'll let Goody make that call. Maybe. No guarantees. So there's, there's, I don't see any chance Goody loses his gig uh, when LaFleur loses his gig. There's going to be at least one more coach here. And hopefully the next time uh, Goody gets to hire his own guy so there can be some accountability uh, for that one. Third and final topic here on Curd and Long. Don't forget, download Curd and Long wherever podcasts are available, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Odyssey, uh, whether it be Google Podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your family members. Curd and Long, Steve Sparky Fiverr. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvath, BetMGM tonight, weeknights on BetQL. Uh, check him out at Ryan Horvath uh, on Twitter. What veteran wide receivers make the most sense for the 2023 Packers? Now, this comes up uh, because there was a, a real good article uh, that I found uh, on acmepackingcompany.com going over all the different possible free agents, and they have it all broken up and little write-ups on each one. And I thought it would be fun to kind of look at Alan Lazard uh, and him specifically. Randall Cobb, listen, it's not worth talking about as we talked about the last current long. If Rodgers comes back, he's going to make sure Randall Cobb comes back with him. Plain and simple. If Aaron Rodgers does not come back, I would assume Randall Cobb is not back with the Green Bay Packers either. Brian Gutekunst did say in his press conference that he wants a veteran in that room with, you know, Samari Toure, with Christian Watson, with Romeo Dobbs. He wants a veteran in there. And he likes how Lazard and Cobb played into that room and he wants to make sure to have them. So I go on spot track. And in there, they don't do it for every single player, but for some of the players, they have what they project to be the market value for a player based on his numbers, stats, age, and how that compares to other wide receivers in the league or at that position, depending on the player you're looking at. So I looked up Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, I'm not getting you exact numbers. I'm just going to give you a rounded off number here. Three years, $33 million is what Spotrack feels he is going to be worth uh, on the open market at the end of the day. Now, I will tell you, that guys like Jacoby Myers is projected to get more money than him. Juju Smith-Schuster is projected to get more money than him as well. So you're talking 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year uh, for those two guys. So he's going to make less than both of them according to SpotTrack and, and what they're looking at. In this uh, piece, it talks about Alan Lazard this season setting a career high in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. And his six touchdowns were too shy of his 2021 total. And his 13.1 yards per reception uh, per reception average was right in line with his career average. Again, targeted 100 times, 60 catches. But when you talk about Lazard, 
what always gets brought up? Hell of a run blocker. Man, he can run block with the best of them. How many people talk about Elizak? Boy, man, he's a game changer. He breaks games wide open, man. He, whoo, that Elizak. No, that's not who that dude is, right? He's just not who he is. Lazard, you could tell after the last game, was frustrated when he asked about Aaron Rodgers. Like, man, I don't even know where I'm going to play at this point. How the heck am I going to know where Aaron Rodgers is going to play? And you talk about guys that may be out and available. Adam Thielen might be a guy that he may be done in Minnesota. You know, would an Alan Lazard make sense opposite Jefferson? Probably, yeah. Would an Alan Lazard make sense in Chicago? Yeah, probably. I mean, you got the Atlanta Falcons. They have what over a hundred million dollars in payroll. Now they're 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 in a, a screwed up situation there because you don't know about Lamar Jackson. There's all the speculation and talk that maybe he's not even in Baltimore. Maybe he he moves on. Atlanta is one team that's been rumored by multiple people as making the most sense because they have the most cap room and signing Lamar Jackson to a long term deal. Uh, but if you look at that situation there, they they essentially have Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And then a bunch of nothing outside of those two uh, at that wide receiver slash tight end position. So maybe that makes sense uh, there. He's going to have a market, right? We know he's going to have a market. The question is, do you want to pay that dude 11 or $12 million a year at the end of the day to come back? And what is he? The two? Depending on how Romeo Dobbs comes around, is he the three? For my money, I'd rather just take one-year guys at this point. I, I don't – so if Rodgers is coming back, I'm fine. Give me Randall Cobb one year to go along with the other three. He's not going to cost you much, and I'll play with Randall Cobb and those three guys that we just talked about. Or maybe you draft another wide receiver this year or two, and you add them to the wide receiver room, but your vet is Randall Cobb in the wide receiver room, and you let Alan Lazard walk. Totally, 1,000% okay with that if that's what you decide to do. The one thing I don't think the Packers will do, and maybe I'll be wrong, I don't think they're going to trade for a superstar wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins or somebody like that because they've got to take care of the financial aspect of things. I don't think they're going to go out and give big money, long-term money to a, a prospective free agent either because, again, it's almost like the quarterback position in the NFL, right? When your quarterback's on a rookie deal, you can sign all these other guys to big contracts. But once that dude comes up to having his monster deal, then all of a sudden you get in the boat like everybody else that has superstar quarterbacks. And you got to start, as Gary Ellerson would say, trimming fat elsewhere in order to make this roster work. And then you have to start relying on younger players. Well, they're at the point right now where they have to rely on younger players for the time being at different positions. And one of the positions they have to rely on younger players at right now is wide receiver. They are not in a position to afford some big name wide receiver and dumping a ton of money into that player. And, you know, if you sit back and think about, had they given Devontae Adams that money and had they given Aaron Rodgers the deal they gave him, would this team have been as good? Because there would have had to have been several players, probably, that would not have been on this football team had they gotten both done. There's just no way that some of these players would have made or survived the cut. You really would have been relying on drafted guys, undrafted guys, guys playing on minimal deals in order to help get the Packers over the top. In a weird way, you were able to form a more complete roster, more of a complete group of players 
by Devontae Adams going somewhere else. And you'll be able to do so and continue to do so going forward. Now with Rodgers, again, $40 million cap it. If they trade Aaron Rodgers or he walks away or whatever the case may be, that's a big number. But once Rodgers' number and his dead cap money is clear of this roster, now nah, you get freed up a lot of money to spend elsewhere. Now, half of that would probably go to Jordan Love if Jordan Love plays well. So that's gone. But that's still a significant amount of money. And Let's say they give Jordan Love $20 million a year, an additional $20 million a year. You could do a lot with that at whatever position you want to spend. If you want to spend it at safety, if you want to spend it uh, on the defensive line, if you want to spend it at right tackle, if you want to spend it on a wide receiver at that point, if these young wide receivers aren't panning out. So for my money, I don't necessarily look around and say, okay, who am I going to give a big deal to? I'm looking to find a good locker room guy that picks up offenses quickly. So he's got to be smart. He's got to be a quick study. He's got to be a good leader in the locker room. He's got to be unselfish. If this wide receiver fits all four of those criteria, then I'm interested if I'm the Green Bay Packers. If that wide receiver doesn't fit those four criteria, then I pass if I'm Brian Gutenkutz in the Green Bay Packers. Say, nah, nah, not interested. And I said earlier that I thought Randall Cobb is gone if Rodgers isn't back. But the more I talk about this, he seems to be the perfect fit regardless if Rodgers is back or not. Now, if Rodgers ends up you know, getting moved to the Raiders or something, then obviously he's going to want to go play with Devontae and Rodgers uh, in Las Vegas. That would be my guess. And who knows, maybe Rodgers would demand the Raiders make Cobb part of the deal in order to get him or some nonsense. Who knows how that would play out. But if Randall Cobb wants to be in Green Bay and is up for staying in Green Bay with the young wide receivers you have in your room, I think I would consider keeping him at a minimal type deal. Not saying pay Randall Cobb $10 million a year. No, sorry. No. Minimal type money. Keep Randall Cobb there. Let him be that veteran. Let him help those young guys continue to grow. Add maybe another wide receiver in the draft, maybe in the first three rounds, to go along with the wide receivers you have and continue to build that wide receiving core. The other decision that they're going to have to make is on running back in Aaron Jones, restructuring that deal more than likely, uh, or coming up with a creative way there to kind of reduce his cap number uh, going into 2023. So there you go. The first solo podcast of Kurt along with yours truly, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvath will be back on Wednesday from BetMGM tonight. We'll record this thing on Wednesday. Hopefully I didn't bore you to tears. Hopefully this was somewhat entertaining for you. Uh, as we went over numerous things, wild card round, what this team looks like compared to some of these wild card teams in the NFC, Matt LaFleur's job security, and what that looks like going forward. And then, of course, wide receivers and Al Lazard, again, projected at three at 33 by spot track and whether or not uh, it's really worth the money uh, at the end of the day. And I think the next time uh, we talk with Ryan Horvath on Wednesday, we'll bring up this Al Lazard contract three at 33 uh, and see what uh, my guy Ryan Horvath uh, thinks of that deal and whether or not uh, it's worth uh, the money being thrown out there at him. Because again, you give him that much money, and then more than likely, it's going to cost you at another position. You're going to lose a guy at another position, possibly, that you wanted to keep but now can't because of the money you're spending at wide receiver. So all interesting things. We'll get into it again uh, next time with Ryan Horvath. Have a good rest of your day. And of course, as I always say, toodles. <laughs>